speak to the Lord right now. Let him know what you're experiencing, what your burdens are. presence because you're
morning to our church family and good morning and good afternoon to our listening audience at station KKVV. We are elated that you have tuned in with us once again here at Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located at 1720 North J Street. Our contact number is 702-647-27. Our website is www.abundantlife.org. We are pastored by Dr. Calvin B. Rock. Our speaker this afternoon is no stranger to our regular listening audience. He is Elder Clarence Brown. Elder Brown serves as our first elder and finance chair. He is also a spirit-filled speaker who has a way of imparting powerful, meaningful, and certainly a spiritual message with such an humble demeanor. This morning, Elder Brown will be speaking to you on a topic entitled, Let's Go a Little Higher. Let's Go a Little Higher. After the following selection, the next voice you will hear is that of Elder Clarence Brown. Hear ye him.
impressive to have our children minister to us so powerfully. It's a blessing. Are we good from a sound perspective? A senior pastor has asked me in the absence of us having a stewardship leader and a stewardship program, if I would highlight stewardship in my message today. And so my purpose today is to ensure that everybody here understands that this business of returning to the God we worship, an honest tide and offering is a highly spiritual matter. It is highly spiritual because it reflects the relationship that we have with Christ. It reflects our gratitude to Christ and it reflects our devotion to Christ. I have a few objectives today. My first objective is I want to be sure that everybody here understands what it means to rob God. Elder Richardson, you almost preached my sermon today. I want to ensure everybody understands what it means to rob God. Two, I want to ensure that everybody understands that our attitude and our practice in giving is a barometer, if you will. It's a measure of our gratitude to God. And my final objective, I want to ask you a very personal question. That question is, is it time for you to go a little higher? Is it time for you to go a little higher? I am going to be using the clear word Bible today so my version will be a little bit different than yours, but it would be exactly the same content that you have. And I'm going to be reading a very, very, very familiar passage of Scripture from the clear word found in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. The clear word says, Is it right for a person to steal from the God he worships. Yet you are cheating me. You say, in what way are we cheating you? God says you are cheating your God out of what is his by holding on to his tithes and offerings. As your finance chair, I want to commend you today our tithe and offering per member compared to all of the other churches in the Nevada, Utah conference is superior. Our tithe, combined tithe and offering per member combined not only the other churches in the Nevada, Utah conference, but churches across the country is phenomenal. And I don't know about you, but for that I say praise God from whom all blessings flow. But in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8, God speaking through the prophet Malachi asks us 
a quintessential question. Ella Holiday, it's an essential question. Will a man rob God? And so that there's no confusion, he answers the question himself. He said, yet you have robbed me. But like we are, we said, Lord, how have we robbed you? And he responds, in tithe and in offering. Now you and I know that it's not possible for us to arm ourselves with a nuclear weapon, step into the space shuttle discovery, travel through space and time where no man has ever gone before, and walk up into the divine bank of the universe and rob the God we worship at gunpoint. That's not possible. It's not possible. So the question is, how do we rob God? How do we rob God? Can I tell you? We rob God when we hold back in our tithe and in offering. You with me? Point number one, we rob God by holding on to tithe and offering. We rob God when we hold on to what he deserves. We rob God that way. Now in the day of Malachi, in Malachi's time, when the people got an increase, they got an increase in the form of harvesting their crops or the multiplying of their flocks. Today when you and I get an increase, it usually comes in a check. Got to get a weakness. Mostly a paycheck. For some of us, it comes every week. For some, it comes every other week. For many, it comes once a month. But that's an increase. For the young people here, for many of you, it comes through an allowance. Some of you are on a thick schedule, and if you're like my kids, whenever Robin feels like giving it. As a young person, it may come in the form of a gift occasionally from a relative or, or a friend. But when that increase comes, and you and I take the time to separate out God's tithe and offering, and bring it up to the storehouse, and return it to God, that is a highly spiritual matter. And I want you to know why I say this. I say this because my wife told me I forgot to pray. So excited. I want to pray, though. Father, please bless this word today. Be with the hearers. Be with the speaker. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Where are we? So we know we can't go up to heaven. We can't rob God that way. We know that our increase comes by a check, by an allowance. And when we separate out God's tithes and God's offering. Now, let me tell you, I notice whenever we speak about money, shields go up. 
I didn't come to fuss at you to give more money to Abundant Life or to the Nevada Youth Conference. I just want to be sure that you and I understand that this business of returning a faithful and honest tie to the God we worship is a highly spiritual matter. And I say that because when you get that increase, and that increase is not enough to cover all the bills you have. When you have a noose of debt around your neck, things that you want to get, things you want to do, fix your car, get a car. Get a new furnace for your house, fix up your, your, your property, get a house. Young people, and there are things that you want to get like iPods, some new Jordans. Girls, what, what, what do the girls get these days? Can you all help me? Everything. Everything. When you want to get stuff, somebody says some here. When you want to get stuff, When you want to get stuff, you got more bills than, than the increase could cover. You got debt around your neck. But still, you separate out your tithes and your offering and bring it up to the storehouse and return it unto God. I don't know about you, but, and you know what? We don't only do it one Sabbath. The reality is that we're going to do it increase after increase after increase after increase. We will do this until we die, or until Jesus comes. When I examine myself, the only reason I do that, Sister Bray, is because there's something inside me that holds the rain. Something inside me that I cannot explain, but all that I know, that there is something inside me. I believe that's true for you as well. That the only reason, given the circumstances, that we will separate out an honest tithe, an offering, bring it up to the storehouse and return it to the God we worship, is because there is something within. Just to ensure that we are together in this thing of tithe and offering, at the holiday I brought a pop quiz. It's a simple one, true and false. Question number one, the tithe is 10% of whatever you have left over after taxes and payroll deductions, true or false? false. Amen, anybody think it's true? All right, we're together with that. Question number two, the tithe is sacred and it belongs to God. Leviticus 27.30 says, The tithe of the land, all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruits of the trees, it is holy unto God. Question number three is a little bit more of a trick question. We can use the tithe to pay off the church, building programs or other institutional debt. True or false? The tithe is designated by God. Give you some text and verse. 
designated by God, where's my text, Numbers 18, 21, to do one thing, and that is to support the gospel workers, laborers that are working to advance the gospel. Are you all with me? If you and I started to hold on to the tithe to pay off the building or to buy a new building or to build a school, we would be in direct violation of God's command. Yeah, you all did well in that test. You all did well. Let me, let, let me move on. How about the offering? Let me, let, me, let me ask you some questions about the offering. In fact, let me, read, let me share this statement with you. In the book Testimonies, Volume 3, verses 388 to 389, it says this. It says, God's plan in the Titan system is beautiful in its simplicity and equality. Simplicity and equality. If you could understand 10%, you got it. About the tithe. If you could understand 10%, you got it. If you make a dollar, how much is that? I'm just saying that for the benefit of the kids. Kids, if somebody gives you a dollar, you got to give 10 cents, right? Jason, you got that? 10 cents. If you get $10, isn't that simple? And then in its equality, if I only make a dollar, God says your 10 cents is of equal value to Elder Holiday, who could be making $1,000. He give 100, I give 10 cents. The Lord says, you know what? Both are equal. And that's why the servant of the Lord says that this plan of tithing is beautiful in its simplicity and equality. It goes on to say, all may take hold of it in faith and courage, for it is of divine origin. Praise the Lord. All right, you did good with that. Now we're moving on to offerings. Want to be sure that we're together on the offerings, right? Question number one, the Bible tells us exactly how much offering we should give. Wow. Pastor Lee was, this is a good crowd. Deuteronomy 12.6 does an interesting thing. It calls it a free will offering. Isn't that interesting? I thought it was a free will offering. Deuteronomy 16, 17 says, every man give as he is able. Question number two, when it comes to returning an offering, the most important thing to God is how much you give. Yeah. You remember the story of the, of the, um, of the widow with the two mites? She gave her two little mites. All those other folks were given out of their abundance. So it's like, hey, didn't matter to them, right? God says she, where her two mites, gave more than they did. I think my last question is here. God is not concerned about the attitude in which we give an offering. Oh, wow, what a crowd, what a crowd. What a crowd. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says that God loves a cheerful giver. Right about now, I am asking the question, Elder Brown, you already told us that we're doing a phenomenal job in our combined tithes and offering. So why are you bothering us today? 
why are you asking us? Why are you talking to us about Malachi chapter 3 and 8? We got it covered. Well, here's why. In the best churches, only about 40% of the members give systematically. In the best churches. And that's true for abundant life as well. Now, God didn't say in Malachi to bring 40%. Didn't say to bring 60, 70, 80, 90, 99. What did he say? Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that they may be meat in my house. And that's why I want to talk to you, because today I just want to challenge you to see if it's time for us to go a little higher. A very personal question. Very personal question. I also want to ensure that you understand that this business is a highly spiritual matter. Amen? Now, God generally deals with us as individuals. With Pastor Lee was, he deals with us as a, as a congregation or as a, yeah, as a body. And I just wondered if somebody here is stopping their personal blessing by not returning an honest tithe and offering? Because I'm going to share with you some of the blessings, right? But I also wonder that if only 40% give an honest tithe or give a systematic tithe and offering, if somehow that God is not holding up some of the blessings, are you all with me? You all remember Akon? He sinned and God attributed his sin to his family? You all remember that? I wish I had time to go to deal with that, but that's going to take me off track. So God has a way of not only dealing with us individually, but he deals with us corporately. Amen? Amen? For that reason, you and I can't just be satisfied to come up to the storehouse and put our tithes and offering in. We should be thinking about what are our brothers and sisters doing, right? And that's why we have a stewardship program to keep everybody together. Because God says he, he wants to bless us so much. Well, Richardson, perhaps the reason the windows aren't opening yet is because we're not all on board yet. Are y'all with me? I think if we got a little bit more on board, God will open up the windows. Amen. Now, for myself, I've, 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 I've kind of come to this conclusion because the Lord hasn't opened up all the windows for me. He's blessed me tremendously, right? But I think sometimes maybe he doesn't open all the windows for me because my kids can't handle it. I think I can handle it. I think I can handle it, right? I'm not sure if Robin can handle it, but I think maybe he's just holding it back a little bit. You don't want my kids to go astray, right? Have their eyes and Mercedes and Jazz, what's the car you like? The, um, the uh, what's, that what's that fancy car you like, Jazz? Is it the, the B? With, with? Yeah, the Bentley, right? Can you imagine what he'd be like if he knew there was a Bentley in his future? Man, we would be in trouble. So I think the Lord holds some of those blessings back just because we may not be ready to handle it, right? Because God is a guy that he doesn't lie. He says all things will work together for our good, and I know that he keeps on blessing, and there's usually the money shows up just in time, and it's just enough, right? 
But that's about it. It's like the manor. I think I'm on the manor program, Pastor was. Right? But I'll get in the side. There's some blessings that the Lord has given me that I don't even know. Same thing is true for you, right? I, I, we were reading Job the other day, and, 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 and I wish I could take time to read it. But Job, in his pain and suffering, started to cuss the day that he was born. He, he started saying, Lord, I wish I was never born. And he started to, 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 to delineate all of his sufferings and all of his sorrows. And I said, Lord, are you keeping me from all of that? I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so you know now that we rob God when we withhold from him what he deserves, right? You with me with that? You know why it's important, right? God wants to give us some blessings, and he can't bless us if we withhold him. Right about now, though, I, I, I am usually wondering, so Elder Brown, that's good, but what does that look like? Can you break it down for me? Can I do that? In the book of Luke, I think it's chapter 8, we're introduced to a woman called Mary Magdalene. Interesting how the Bible introduces her. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went or was cast seven devils. Now, you know that's a story, right? Basically, was, I'm not sure if you come across anybody who at least had one devil, right? Mary called Magdalene, out of whom was cast seven devils. Now, when you read the commentary, what you understand is that these devils may not have been those ugly, bad devils that are trying to tear the place up, right? But it just means that she had sinned and fallen back into sin, sin and fallen back into deep sin. When we meet her, she is being dragged out of her house because she is set up and she is caught in adultery. She's being dragged with a crowd in shame and they drag her to the temple. Perhaps and the way there, some of the women who knew her were so glad that they finally caught up with her. And you know, back then, those Jews will spit on you in a minute. Those people would spit on you in a minute. So I imagine that they spat at Mary. They did that with Jesus, right? Spat in her face and called her names, you. And they took her to Jesus. And they said, hey, we got Jesus trapped right now. The law said that if somebody's caught in adultery, they should be stoned. Not just the women, but the man, but there's no man, right? So you know it's evident that there was a, tra a trap. And so, Rabbi, this woman was caught in the act. Look at her. Some of the same folks who've been with her. Threw her down on the ground, and Jesus simply stooped. And he started writing. He started writing. And they said, now, the law said that she has to be stoned. That's what Moses said. They said, hey, he's in a bind. Because if he doesn't stone her, then he doesn't support Moses' law. But the Romans said, if you take matters into your own hands, you have a problem as well. But our God and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ start, kept writing, kept writing. And as they pushed, there were stones in their hands. They said, for sure, we have a stone in today. And they didn't really want Mary. They wanted Jesus. But Jesus kept writing. And finally, he stood up, didn't even look at Mary, looked at them and said, whoever is without sin, 
you cast the first stone. And he went back down and he kept writing. Now I tell you, as I was reading that, I was, I was just so pleased that the God who wrote the Ten Commandments with his fingers, who when Belshazzar, is it Belshazzar, was in that room drinking out of the, came in and wrote on the wall, many, many tikel impos, you remember that? That that God, when he's writing our sins, don't write it in the stone. Don't write it on the wall, but he writes it in the dust. You know why? Because he would rise up and say, woman, where are thou accusers? And look at her for the first time. And for the first time in her life, a man looked at her like she was worth something. She saw the love and the affection in his eyes. And she said, wow, where's this man been all my life? And he says this, perhaps while he was doing this, neither do I condemn you. Sister McDavid, I, I, I am so enamored that Jesus didn't ask, so how did you get caught up in this mess? Who got you started? What happened? Jesus wasn't concerned about her past. Jesus is a go forward God. He said, let's go forward, go and sin no more. I love Jesus. I love him. I love him. Of course, you all know who he is. I'm not going to deal with that. But yes, I love Jesus. The next time we see her, or the next time I paid attention to her, she was with her sister Martha. Her brother Lazarus had died. And they called for Jesus. They kept calling and they kept calling. And she was sure that Jesus, if Jesus could get there while he was alive, all would be good. Jesus delayed, he delayed, he delayed, he delayed, and when he got there, Lazarus was dead and stinking. She thought it was all over, but Jesus just delayed so he can show his power, so he can let us know that he is the resurrection and the light. <laughs> and Jesus told him to roll away the stone, and I imagine the stench, <laughs> but then he says, Lazarus, my friend Lazarus. Come forward. And Mary perhaps realized, wow, you know, I was like Lazarus. I was sinking deep in sin, never to rise again. My future was already determined. My reputation would never be of anything. But the master of the sea heard my distressing cry. Now safe am I. I imagine that she could realize that, and she says, wow. What a lesson, what a story. Just what he did for me spiritually, he's done, he just did it for Lazarus physically. You keep looking at Mary and the next time you see her, she's in the home of Martha and Lazarus. She probably lived there as well because they were all sisters and brothers. Martha is busy, like some of us. Busy working for the Lord, which is a good thing. But Mary, she is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to every word. And I want to tell you, there's some things that are so critical about that. Do you know that in the Jewish culture, 
a woman was of little to no value. A woman could not be taught by the rabbis. You with me? Because she wasn't worthy to be taught by the rabbis. But now the rabbis of rabbis is in the house. Sister McDavid, what, what is that thing you call it? What's it called? Ishika? Issue values. The rabbis of rabbis is in the house. And he says, Mary, I want to take you up a little higher. And she's at his feet, learning. Later, the Bible refers to Mary as a disciple of Christ. Are you with me? In that very act, from a prostitute on the ground, an encounter with Jesus, you're never the same. You're never the same. And so here's Mary now. She's, she has a new walk, a new look, a new attitude. She's a new person. She got a new gait. She dresses in a, in a different way so that people didn't only look at her assets, if you know what I'm talking about. She dressed in a way that they looked at and they could see a little bit of character. We get out of that, and now we find her at Simon's house. Now, Simon is a Pharisee who decided to follow Jesus. He became a disciple. But you need to understand this about Simon. Remember the ten lepers? He was one of them. Didn't go back to say thank you to Jesus. Right? I think it was just the Samaritan who went back, right? Perhaps to show his gratitude or to show off his place and the fact that he was now healed, he threw a party, invited Jesus and the disciples. And the word says that while they're at meat, relaxed, kicked back, as Jez would say, having a good time, thinking about, wow, isn't this a grand, a grand, this isn't this a grand situation? Simon is feeling good, man. Look at this, man. What a spread. Maybe Martha was the, uh, the caterer. Martha, you did such a fine job, man. We, we, this is good. This is good. That when, 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 when she was sitting at Jesus' feet, Mary was the only one who really understood that Jesus was talking about his death. And so she is uncomfortable. Because she is thinking, what can I do? What else can I do to show my gratitude and to honor my Lord? Well, Richardson, I think she probably stepped out of the, stepped out of the, uh, of the event, went out to the store, and said, I'm looking for something special, some special ointment, something that I could do to anoint my Lord before his burial. And the word says that, the, the, the shop owner had some spikenard. Spikenard, very precious and expensive ointment. And she took her box, her alabaster box, because she wanted to be sure that this special ointment was cared for. She took her alabaster box. And I imagine that, that the discussion was, well, mom, ma'am, lady, I'm sorry, this ointment is reserved for the high officials like the king. This is a special ointment we only get once a year. And it's for the king, but she says, no, no, I need it for my Lord. He says, well, you know what? I said, well, you know what? She can't afford it anyway, so we'll go ahead. I'll get it out for you. You can hold it. 
She says, what does it cost? And when she heard the price, her jaw probably dropped open. But the Bible said that it was an entire year's wages. And I tell you, I wish I had time to deal with that because there's a stewardship message in that. The fact that you have an entire year's wages on hand, you've got to be doing something right. Am I right? She, we can learn some things about stewardship from Mary. But she bought it, rushed back to the event, and she's sitting at the holiday, and she's just thinking, how can I get to him? How can I get to him? How can I get to him? And as soon as the crowd flexed a little bit, the Bible says that she got down and she started thinking about where she, where she has been, where she's come from, what Jesus had done for her, and the tears was flowing down like a river. So much tears that she could wash his feet. Now, you know, in the, in the Jewish culture, one of the hospitalities that they would do is when you come in, because, you know, they didn't wear some funny slippers or no, no shoes at all. So she got in, when Jesus got into his feet, was dusty. You with me? But Simon was too busy taking care of his guests. He gave Jesus no kiss. One of the things that they did back then, just as a sign of, of affection, is the man will kiss when they greet. No kiss, no water to wash his feet. But she saw that, and she got down, and with her tears, she's washing Jesus' feet. And because she was a guest, she did not have a towel, and she used her long hair, and she started to dry his feet. I imagine when she bust open her alabaster box, got that spike nod, and <laughs> that the aroma filled the room. And people started saying, what was that? Not only that, what is she doing down there? The Bible says that Simon started to, in his heart, say, you know what? This man is no prophet. If he was a prophet, much less a messiah, he will know what kind of woman he had kissing his feet. But Jesus is so skillful. Because of his omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, he says to Simon, Simon, come here. Don't want to embarrass him. He got class. <laughs> he said, listen, a man had two debtors. One owed him about 500 days wages. The other about 30 days wages. He forgave them both. Which do you think appreciated the most? Simon is no fool. He says, the one who was forgiven the most. Jesus says, you know, I came into your house, Simon. Perhaps this was just a stage, something to do, probably a nice thing to do. You gave me no water to wash my feet. You gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to wash my feet with her tears, dried with her hair. To anoint it. And, 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 and my question for you this morning, really, is are you more like Mary or more like Simon in your giving? You with me? You got that question? Are you more like Mary or are you more like Simon? But there's another, Judas. He's in the room. What is Judas saying? Judas says, what a waste. You smell this stuff? You smell this? 
Are you kidding me? Is that spike not? Man, we could have sold this thing and given the money to the poor. Now, you know Judas was not interested in giving any money to the poor, right? Like, we could have sold this and I'd have some money for myself. <laughs> so we have Judas, Simon, Mary. Are you more like Judas? Are you more like Simon? Are you more like Mary? I tell you my topic was, let's go up a little higher. If you're like Judas, maybe you can't get to Mary in one, in one decision. If you're like Judas, let's at least get closer to Simon. Are you with me? And if you're like Simon, let's get closer to Mary. You got the message, right? Now, I could only imagine, like Mary, who took the best that she had, her wages, to go find that ointment, to go show her devotions to the best that she knew, the one that she loved the most, that Jesus and God, I'm going to use God because it fits, opened up the windows of heaven. You with me? And poured out the best that they had, Jesus, to come down to this earth. When Adam had sinned, and because of his sin, we were all lost, to come down to this earth to rescue us. Pastor Lee was, in my imagination, I imagined that when he was on the cross and they took that crown of thorn and pressed it down on his head. You all with me? and the blood started running down, that humanity could not discern the fragrance, if you will. But when that blood started running down, the universe stopped and paused and says, wow, what a fragrance. What a fragrance. No wonder, I think it's, 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 it's Elijah, or one of the prophets would say, there is a bomb in Gilead. There is a bomb because that blood running down from his face was a sweet fragrance. Fragrance that can cleanse you and I of our sins. The nails in his hands and the blood dripping down. Nails in his feet. I think Mary somehow understood what Jesus had done for her. My real point this morning I don't like it when the elders do it. Someday know it now. Tithe and offering has nothing to do with the lights and the water and the heat. It helps. But if we serve a God who can't pay the light bill, who can't keep the water running, who can't keep us warm, if we serve a God like that, we got trouble, right? Tithe and offering. Are you all with me? is about gratitude it's about devotion it's about relationship and that whole thing that we read every sabbath will a man rob god i think i counted there were five verses in there somebody check me start in in verse eight down to wherever it stops five verses and you know what's interesting only one verse said anything about a curse here with me? God is so balanced. He has no interest in cursing us. All he wants to do is bless us. 
and bless us, and bless us, and bless us. The people in Malachi, they started withholding their tithes because perhaps like us, they got concerned about what's happening to their hard-earned money. So they started holding on to it, holding back. And as a result, the Levites had to discontinue caring for the sanctuary or caring for the temple and to go out and find jobs. But in so doing, the people of Levi, the people of Malachi's day, mistrust, misjudge God. Because God says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, Return unto me, and I will return unto you. Good measures. Y'all with me? Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's the promise. He also says here, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that they will be meat in my house. Prove me, test me, try me. Put me on the spot. And see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pull you out a blessing that there won't be room enough to receive it. We're going to play the appeal song. There is a fountain. Because on the cross, they became a fountain. Didn't have to be much for that fountain to be filled with blood. Don't take much. Blood running down his head. Hands, blood running down his hands and feet and then a sword in his side all for him to say that the most precious thing to me is you and I kids sang it today little Bresden sang that for us oh how he loved Jesus loved me this I know was that what, what it was yes
If you give me joy.